You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. Screening in Kingston fans, just before we get to this week's episode, I just have a qu- couple really quick disclaimers to put out there. One, just a little bit of a warning for those listening. We are going to be talking a little bit about um, some pretty graphic things that are described in the book around child abuse that is part of where the crawdads sing. There's also some language that we use connected to the book that has a lot to do with racism and racially charged topics because the book does dive into a little bit of that as well. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew we are quoting directly from the book at some point in times and we answer some very very important fan questions so that's just your disclaimer before we get started i hope you enjoy the episode all right it's always an exciting week to be talking about a movie club movie we're going to be reviewing and talking about where the crawdads sing with our special guest friend of taylor friend of the show katie but i've been told that we have to kick off this episode with Katie's review of the VIP experience. Take it away, Katie. Um, hi, guys. Great to be here again. Um, so I am actually, I think I'm t- a couple episodes behind on the podcast. So, Mike, I didn't actually get your VIP experience. I don't the- think I brought it up again. Okay, <laughs> now, that you, <laughs> now that you mention it, I'm <laughs> thinking, oh, I actually think I didn't follow up and explain my experience. Okay, because the last, oh. I didn't go. Yeah. Okay, so we'll have Katie share her experience and then Mike can counter. Definitely. <laughs> so I am a big fan of the VIP experience. In fact, I generally will not go see a movie unless it is playing in a VIP theater. Um, I love having a meal while I'm watching the movie, especially because it's always like chicken fingers. Um, I like to have a drink. Uh, the seats are just much bigger and more comfortable and you have way more personal space. Like you could even sit like cross-legged or like tuck your legs up if you wanted to. Some of the VIP theaters even have full recliners. So I'm just overall, I'm a big fan and I like that they bring the food to you and they do have a cutoff Taylor. Cause I know you were curious, like during the trailers, you get a little thing on the screen that's like, this is the last call for VIP service so that people aren't just bringing you food constantly throughout the day. Right. Well, Chicken mm. Fingers is much more manageable. Like That's, that's, a, that's a really good option for a movie, yeah. Yeah, I could handle Chicken Fingers and French fries in a movie-going experience. Do the, do the seats, um, do you have the option of uh moving the the armrest up because I was at a landmark actually for our last movie club. So I was at a landmark cinema, which is not my normal movie going experience. And I don't think there was a middle armrest. Like Dan and I were almost sitting in like a love seat scenario. Interesting. No, each seat has like very thick armrests and then one okay. armrest has like a table that kind of swings out. You like you can pull out in front of you. Right. Like at and, an, like, on an airplane back. kind of. Yeah. And honestly, the menu at the VIP theater, like no one's getting like pasta. It's like chicken fingers, <laughs> burgers, handhelds. Like yeah. you're, you're not eating like a fancy like, <laughs> I don't know, like short rib. Brain. I guess I guess the way they just described it was that you're having a meal and I'm thinking of meals that people would get when they go out to dinner and all of those were like more plate need like fork and knife kind of thing but obviously now that I'm thinking about it too bringing up all these finger foods well that is more of a pleasant experience to just like grab whatever and eat during a movie I could understand that, that those are sense. things you can get at a drive-in it's that's kind true of like- Chip wagon food. I guess, so it. here, here's the thing, though, because it's really funny. I'm finding this conversation really funny because we're talking about like armrests and how much there is, and how much space there is. Every there's no consistency is my problem. So he, here's the kind of big thing: like in Kingston, at the at at least the landmark movie theater, the regular movies are full recliners. So oh, interesting. Okay, that's already kind of there. So now, however, however. Um, where I've been recently, 
is somewhere where the movie theaters that I've been going to are regular movie seats. So yeah. the VIP that I went to was an upgrade on that because they were bigger seats and they were much more comfortable and you had more personal space. You couldn't recline all the way back, but you could kind of like half recline, um, which, which was really nice. So that, that part of the experience makes total sense to me and why that would be good. The thing is, is that I came from being used to going to a movie theater that had full reclining seats, okay. big seats, lots of space Anyways, all the time. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So that wasn't, ex- like, I didn't know that because I live in Toronto and all the movie theaters are terrible. Um, so- <laughs> Seems to be a big, big city thing, though, because, I, I mean, right now I'm in Ottawa, and the Ottawa movie theaters the same thing. They're all just, like, regular seats. Yeah, not, so I just... Special. I couldn't under like my mind was blown when both of you didn't understand how great the VIP thing. Because we're so spoiled, we're <laughs> so spoiled in Kingston having such nice seats. I, the last <laughs> like, thing, the last thing I will say about the VIP because we can move on, um, and why I'm a fan of it is because so I I do drink. Uh, it is 19 plus, which means there are no children. That is, and amazing. for me as a movie going experience, got nothing against kids, but I really dislike when they're in a movie with me. Oh, see, now here's that you bring up a really good point. See, I dislike when adults are in a movie with me. So that makes total sense. Mike Again. wishes the theater was empty. <laughs> the best movie going experience. Yeah, 100%. The best movie going experiences I have ever had is me alone in a massive theater with no one else there watching a movie. Because no matter what, theater etiquette has gone down the drain. I mean, yeah. I like. I don't want to get started on people being on their phones because that's a whole different mess. But the things people will yell and say and do and and even during previews where like, I guess you can let some things go, like stop talking. Like I'm here to enjoy and watch experiences. I want to see what movies are coming up next. Previews are half the movie going experience for me. And then once the, especially once the movie starts and the lights go down, stop talking. Yet people don't seem to understand that children are way more well, well behaved, I would say, at the movies than adults are. That I will, I will debate and fight that till the end of time. Well, adults Mike, are terrible. Yes, I would terrible. have paid. <laughs> I would have paid for a VIP ticket to see the Batman. I'm pretty sure I brought this up when I reviewed it. We went to like a six or seven o'clock Sunday movie to see the Batman, which is like a three hour long movie. It was packed. Pretty sure the movie was sold out, and. There was this kid who was probably under 10 in our row, and he was a nightmare. I would have paid extra money. To... Also, the Batman is not, in my opinion, a children's movie. Yeah, I would say it's was, not a children's movie. This kid was under 10. That's funny. And like, That's really no funny. wonder why he was running around. It's a three-hour movie. Like, hey, th- there were at least forty really well-behaved kids when I went to see Clifford the Big Red Dog. So there you go. They were well. Very they were dying. They were dying to see Clifford. So. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, when I went to the VIP, it was actually a pretty pleasant experience. It was way better than I thought. I got the concept a little bit better once I was there. I would definitely do it again for select movies. Like, if there was something that I really wanted to go see and have a meal or something, then I would. But I definitely, once seeing the menu, like you're saying, Katie, I was, like, a little more on board saying, well, okay, I could see you having French fries and sides and appetizers. Um, I guess I just couldn't get out of my head people sitting there trying to cut a steak with, with like, potatoes on the side and you're watching a movie. That's where my head went. French fries would be nice at the movies. Here's my final question, and then we really should move on, because that's... No, we love it. This is good. We can, yeah, we can spend 10 minutes on VIP. If that's what you both want to talk about, then that's what we'll do. Is the base ticket, because, again, like Mike mentioned, in, in Kingston, the majority of the seats now, if you're going to a multiplex, are, like... VIP seats. And so I think that's written into the prices now. I think like a general admission in Kingston is just $13. Um, but you're getting the good seats. So are you paying more for a VIP ticket, even if you don't get anything off the menu? Yes. I believe so. Yeah. Cause you're yeah. paying, you're paying for, you're paying for the rights and the experience to have all that. Yeah. Like it's because to me, and I get it. Like, I get it's not just about the seats. Because especially if people do drink, that, is, that would be a nice add-on to be able to, like, have a beer or a glass of wine with your movie. 
like that. Would but that would be like it. you're paying like fifteen for the ticket plus plus food. whatever for the wine. Yes, yes. Oh, honey, it's like twenty three dollars for the ticket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and, the, and, <laughs> okay. and actually, I'm sure the alcohol is not inexpensive. No, no, it's not. But, and, but you do get scene. You get more scene points for. Oh, you do. Points. You get on. You get a ton of scene points. Yeah. A ton. I got so many just for going there the one time. So yeah, yeah. It kind of does it. They get you with the scene points, right? Like, that's the other thing. They they have zero value, but they also do have value because you can then buy things and get things later. But you're spending so much money that it, it kind of like doesn't really even balance out, but I love those scene points. Like I'm all on board for getting scene points. Yeah. Um, I mean, that can take us into the movie because I can share my movie going experience was I went to a VIP showing with a friend of mine, um, Sophie, she'll be listening to this. And we went at noon on Friday because we both had the day off at Young and Dundas, which is a very busy part of Toronto. And it was empty. It was just the two of us in the VIP theater. Wow. We had chicken fingers, frozen margaritas, watched this movie. It was a great experience. I've been to that movie theater, Young and Dundas Cineplex. I've been there. Yep. I've been to that movie theater. Very, very nice movie theater. Yeah. I'm very pro afternoon movies. Oh, like, me too. I don't know if I can go back to seeing a nine o'clock movie. I have to. Yeah. Like I have to say that's the one thing that especially with everything I'm doing right now that I, I love about having sort of a flexible work schedule is being able to see a, a, an afternoon movie, like a, in the summer, especially when they actually are playing things at like noon and two and four, like the option to the, go to those are so much better, but I don't like, I think they take that away as soon as people go back to school. And as soon as we get into the school calendar, I'm pretty sure that's only a summer thing, except like on weekends and stuff. But I, I've seen like a four o'clock or, or two thirty Friday movie. It, I loved it. It was fantastic. I love that experience. They should do more of that. They won't because people have jobs and school and stuff. Well, I uh, my favorite is like eleven fifty on a Saturday. Oh, that's great! I'm and such you, an old lady. It, it that's also cheaper. You get uh, before noon. You get the Tuesday prices. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Before noon, it's the same as going on a Tuesday. It's well, like there, a you deal. there you That's go. There you go. The things you learn from seeing a lot of movies over a very long time. See, like I just don't even. I don't even look at the prices. I'm like, just ring up my scene points. Close my eyes. Because it's the scene points. See, the yeah. scene points do it. They, they get they tempt you with the scene points, and you'll pay whatever because you oh, get yeah. scene points out of it. Um, that's really interesting that you saw this movie in VIP. Like that's kind of an inch. This is kind of an interesting one because I guess the feeling like I, I saw Thor um, in VIP and my feeling was like, yeah, summer blockbuster in VIP. That makes sense. Like this movie is a little bit more serious, like to be sitting there having a margarita. I don't know if it's, <laughs> if that's just me, but I guess, you you know, that's what you like. That's, what that's you what you like. Yeah, I mean, it's just about always going to a VIP. Yeah, was, that's true. We were with yeah. a friend, and it was kind of like, you know, we both read the book, book club style, so we'll go to the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just funny. It's just now I'm just imagining two people there sitting alone in the theater with margaritas being like, whoa, with the crowd yeah. dancing. <laughs> yeah. Sophie's choice. Heavy what would, movie. Sophie's choice. What movie would not be appropriate for a for a VIP. Yeah, that's what we should play. What what name a movie that is not appropriate for VIP for fro specifically with frozen margaritas. I think that's yeah. what makes it funny in my head is the frozen margaritas and watching something. Yeah, Sophie's Choice. That would be a cool. That would be a that would be a any Holocaust movie. Yeah, really, like anything from like that part of history. Anything that's like depressing and sad. Anything like that would be would be there. Um, speaking of depressing and sad. Let's uh, let's dive into this because I'm I'm very curious to talk about a few things. But before we start, we, we have to warn people of this because sometimes people get mad at us. We are going to talk spoilers because it's not really. I think it's hard to compare, especially especially this book and movie where I think the ending is is what where where it's all at. So I think we're going to spoil the whole thing. So if you if you have not seen where the crawdads sing either the movie or read the book, um, please. Go do that and then watch this episode. Or if you don't care, uh, we're going to spoil it. So that's your warning. You've now heard spoilers. Um, we have some fan thoughts, questions, feelings on it as well, which we'll get to. But I thought I kind of want to start the same way we did last time and get everyone's kind of general thoughts of the book and movie. 
Um, so obviously, I think we've got to start with you, Katie. You are the architect of this entire thing. So uh, you didn't re- you didn't write the book, but you <laughs> orchestrated this episode. So yeah. So I obviously I read the book when it was huge two years ago, I think was when it really had its moment when everyone was talking about it. So I read it. Um, I liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as a lot of people did, but I thought it was a good story. And the the descriptions are really quite vivid and beautiful. And I flew through it. Um, The movie was just watching the book. That's like really (laughs) all I can... Because like... And so it's kind of messing with my perception of whether or not the movie was good. Because to me, I was just watching the book on screen and it made it kind of boring. But then I was like, but then what is a good adaptation? So this opened up a whole like philosophical question for me where I don't really know what a good adaptation is anymore, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, made, I made some notes specifically trying to compare the two. And I like there's obviously changes because when you take a, what a, you know, to read this type of book, nine, 10 hours to read a book down to like a two hour movie, you're going to have to cut things out or change things. And most of the stuff that I pinpointed that they've changed were either like, well, it makes sense because you don't have as much time to go into detail here, or I kind of understand why they just decided to focus themselves over here. Like it seemed relatively true. Some of our fans disagree with you, Katie, though I will say some of them have some very strong opinions on what was changed, but we'll get to that eventually. But I, I'm kind of where you, you were. Um, Now I, I don't. I didn't know about this book whatsoever, like at all. When when it was brought up, I had to research and figure out what this even was. I'd never even heard of it. Um, so when I read the book, I was kind of like, oh, okay, like that's this is fine until the ending. Like the ending, I have feelings on. Um, but then I watched the movie and kind of had the similar experience that you did. I'm like, oh, I just did this, didn't I? Just read this exact same thing. So yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Um, I will say, I think when you first brought up that we were reading this, you and Taylor were having a debate about what genre this fell into. Um, It's not not my typical genre, so it's hard to describe. Yeah, it is hard to describe. This is what do you think, Katie? What is the genre? Well, I think it's a new genre that we're seeing more and more of that just is basically called Reese Witherspoon loves. Right. These are the things that she loves. These are the things that Reese Witherspoon (laughs) likes. They're like mysteries involving women who are complicated and generally set in the south because i do believe she's from yep. the southern yeah. parts of the u.s yeah. um so it's basically just like a reese witherspoon genre that is being created now i mean it's a you know it's a it's a mystery yes i would say that it, it leans especially when i was reading the book i think there's a lot more balance but the movie le- leaned into a lot more romance yeah like I, 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 f- I felt like i was watching a romance movie for the most part with with some mystery in yeah, I agree. Um, and that is one of the problems that I had with it, which we can get yeah. into. I'm sure your fans probably felt similarly. Uh, yeah, know. romance got brought up. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> the book was more of a whodunit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they spent mm-hmm. a lot more time, um, like, who killed Chase and um, sowing doubt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think in the book, there was, and again, Mike, you mentioned this, um, taking like a, a the book is almost 400 pages I think like 350 it's like a good size book you know yeah, yeah. um taking a fair size book and then condensing it down into two hours you do have to lose things right so I think one of the major things they lost in the book was the um the courtroom drama side of things like in the book it's very fleshed out katie i spoke with uh aaron about this because she had seen it in scotland a couple of weeks ago and she said she loved it she was like this is the best movie she's seen in a really long time and i asked her specifically i said what how uh, what did you think of the ending and she said oh i found it really shocking in the book i don't think it's as shocking yeah i agree i don't think it's as shocking in the book they set it up that she She's more in a way, in a way, like animal than human because she's like raised by the marsh, and mm-hmm. we know that she studied, she learned human behavior from animal behavior, yeah. and yeah. it's like very evident in the book that animals have to do things that are, you know, 
it, it sh they even say in the book, like, it's not a sin. You can't apply morality. They're just doing it sur for survival. So I right. think in the book, <laughs> it's like, you're like, you go through the court case, you go through, um, you're learning more about Kaya or whatever her name is. And you're like, okay. And you're like, did she do it? Did she not do it? I'm not sure. Then the court case happens. She didn't do it. Okay, fine. And then, you know, the big reveal at the end, spoiler, she has done it. But I wasn't like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> but yeah. people, I've spoken to people who have not read the book. The ending like blew their minds. They're like, we now, did not see that coming. Wow, okay. That's like really good to know. Because I, I want opinions of people who haven't read the book. But unfortunately, I live in a bubble and everyone has read the book who's seen the movie. So fair, fair. this is good <laughs> information. Now, at, at the risk of having another forgetting what was in the book versus in the movie moment like we did last time. <laughs> I, I did have a little thought on that. Now, correct you two can correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe that there's sort of the double twist in the book where you also find out that uh, Kaya is that is that poet. Yes. Yes, and that was that's not that in the movie. Out of the movie. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. That's what I thought because yeah. that was the other thing that I I found that more shocking um, for many reasons actually, mostly because I think Chase isn't a human being. Chase is terrible and I'm happy he's dead. So I didn't and that's, care that she killed him. You're supposed to be happy he's dead. You're supposed they to did a great job. apply uh, he, morality. You're like, Kaya's in the right. That is, it was he, not a sin for her to murder he him. is just trash as a, as a character and as a human being. So I was, I think at the end of the book at least, I'm talking more the book. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, she killed him. Class, like who, who wouldn't have at this point? And then the big thing to me was finding out that she, she's a published poet. Yeah, all along. Was, was, yeah, like that, that was made me be like, wait a minute, what? Like that made me more so, but that wasn't in the movie at all. It's like Mike. that. I was more I shocked. Sorry, I, just Katie, I, just say, I think it, Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think it would have been hard to do that in the movie because in the I book, so. it's like each chapter starts with something from this poet, right? Yeah. Crazy? Yeah. Um, so that, like, I don't really know how that translates to the screen. Voiceover. Like, you'd have to do it as a voiceover and you'd have to have an internal monologue. I guess she was... Quoting. She was doing that voiceover, but it was just her the mm -hmm. whole time. Honestly, it was just that, her the whole time, yeah. That part of the book for me really didn't... I didn't really care about. I did not care about the fact that she was the poet. I thought mm. that the book should have just cut that out, but <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's very differently. I um, was more shocked that Tate didn't think she was a good poet. When reading the book, he's like, oh, I didn't ever, I, this is her favorite poet. And I never thought the poems were very good. Psych, it was her. And I'm like, you just slammed your own wife's poems, but okay. So that's what but I like, found more shocking. Tate, <laughs> Tate doesn't know anything though. Like, what's what's yeah, why is Tate a, suddenly? Uh, yeah. yeah, he's he's not an authority on writing. <laughs> okay, like Tate is not then, an authority. What else I found more? I also found it more shocking. Again, like you find out that she murdered him. You're like, good for you, girlfriend. Good for you that you murdered him and got away for it. For it, you know, happy life, whatever. I was so upset that they killed her so young. The author. That, like, her great, you know, she's redeemed. She's lived this beautiful life. She dies at, like, 67 in the book. I thought, like, what? That's that's not a long... She deserves better, you know? And then... Yeah, but, like, think it, about the fact that she's never had any kind of, like, health care. Fair. Fair. Fair, Katie. That is a very fair... Yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> I never thought about that. She doesn't have any shots. She... It's a miracle she made it. It's a miracle she made it. The miracle she had her teeth. Like, that's what's shocking. No, yeah, like, yeah. she has all of her, um, uh, you know, all her hands and feet. She ha doesn't have any major scarring. Like, she literally lived in, like, survivalist mode. But she's still, like, the most beautiful woman in all of North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, that that. Okay. Do you want to get into that? Yeah, like a little bit. Like the, I mean, a fan also brought up the casting. A couple of people wrote in about casting. Actually, so I have very strong. Too, I have very strong feelings about casting for Chase. Well, it may like this whole like they very much Hollywooded up the whole thing. Like there, it was very unbelievable. <laughs> All these it was people. like watching a Disney movie. How clean everything was, and I think yeah. this kind of ties into how. 
the movie was a bit more of a romance. Like the scenes yes. of her and Tate where like everything's just shiny and clean and they're like laughing on a beach. And all of the clothes that she's wearing, like you could have walked into a Reformation or an anthropology and found all I of thought her that. outfits. I thought the white $120. The white dresses, the white tea dresses oh that would God. have like the strategic one rip on the shoulder. But aside yeah. were pristine white. I'm like, no, you know, no. If if I if I was uh, in in my youth, a younger gentleman, and this woman came like just came up to me like speak to me or whatever and was like, Oh yeah, I live I live in a marsh, I'd be like, No, you don't. <laughs> like you're just you're just saying that to be like cool and edgy, but like you don't live in a marsh. Like there was just never a moment where I kind of believed it, and I definitely have a problem with that. Like it, it didn't feel lived in. The movie did not no. feel very lived in. It was the just, house was too clean. The clothes were too clean. She was yeah. too clean. They like at various times tried to make her her nail beds kind of dirty or her feet a bit dirty. But the rest of her is just perfect. Just and, like, perfect hair, in every way, yeah. These the beach waves. braids that she's doing. I was like, what? Yeah, she doesn't even know what uh, lipstick is. And yet she can do these beautiful, intricate braids. My, This is this is going to sound so nitpicky, but we're, we've, we've gone petty. We've gone petty and we've gone fast. Um, they were not tanned enough. Okay? Like yeah. she was... <laughs> She was, if this woman has lived her whole life essentially out on the beach, except for when it's nighttime, she would be like leather. They all oh, would. Oh man, that's because true. All, I didn't even all, think of that. Yeah. They all live in a beach town. So even mm. Tate and Chase should have been like very, like very tanned. So I was like, oh no, this isn't working for me. But I will say the little girl, like who played little Kara, she was dirty. <laughs> like her face had like ash and stuff on it so i don't know why they didn't i guess you know well because of vanity yeah no because it's because va- it, it's it's like this is the thing unfortunately the world of creating movies same as the world is creating theater you are dealing with the vanity of the people that you work with as well i bet you anything that if even if it wasn't the actor in question the director or someone or a pr team some people were like ah, i can't go too far because that happens all the time where people go onto sets and they're talking about makeup and costuming and they start getting input from the actual performers or their agents or someone on their team being like, ah, like you gotta clean her up a little bit. Like that would be, it's not believable or someone, it's not believable or a producer who's trying to sell the movie or what have you. Someone's interfering with the artistic process. It could be anyone. I'm not going to say like directors are all perfect. Like it's not, it could be the director who's doing it. Like someone is looking at it being like, eh, we can't go too far. This is still a movie and we have to sell, you know, pretty faces. Like that's, that's just the mentality. Whereas I'm okay with a little bit more realism and like a feeling real. And, and that, that sucks me into the story more than this kind of like fantasy. It, 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 that was a really good way to describe it. Of it's, a, it's a Disney fantasy land movie we're watching. Like that's yeah. what it seemed like. And I think about things like, I don't know why my mind went here, but like I watched Mare of Easttown when it was out last year, I guess, or two years ago. And that show, you know, Kate Winslet's still very like clean, but the world that she lives in is dirty and they do a good job mm-hmm. of making her look like she's like very worn mm-hmm. down and she's lived her life. Like it's still mm-hmm. very real and lived in. And I can think of other examples that I yeah, feel like totally. done that very well without being like, here, let's just smear some mud on her face. But like, <laughs> what was the know? movie about the family? There was a movie that came out a couple years ago about the family that kind of lived in the woods, uh, separated from society. It was like a whole family of them, like a, a husband and wife decided to raise their kids in like the forest. And then oh, they yeah. had to go back because she got sick and died. I think Eagle <laughs> Morgenstern was in it. This is oh, a ring of bell. Yeah. the one who saw this movie. <laughs> okay, no, you do. I, re- but... I didn't see this movie, but I do remember. But I can't remember okay. the name of it. But yeah, well, he it goes just, in it. Yes, as I was watching, th- like, Where the Crawdads Sing, I kept kind of thinking back to that movie and thinking, well, that felt lived in, real, raw. They weren't afraid to show kind of just the sort of dirt, natural kind of thing of life, whereas this movie felt like a very, like, pristine version of that almost not not quite to like um you know young people you know movies for young people not, not not quite twilight level but almost to that point of we're kind of crossing into fantasy 
make believe of this world. Like it doesn't feel like a real story that we're watching and we just happen to have a camera here. It feels like very put on. It was um, polished. Yes. It was very, very polished. polished. Um, I believe the movie you are thinking of is Captain Fantastic. Yes. There you go. That's the movie. Um, another uh, forest dwelling, not a marsh, but a forest, forest. dwelling family. Um <laughs> that movie's very real. Um, now, okay, so just before just before we get to fan questions, I just want to make sure, because I, I think just to hear everyone, did did everyone prefer the book or the movie? Are we still on the fence? I know, Katie, you were saying up and down, like, well, if you had to pick one, do you prefer the book? Do you prefer the movie before we move on to fan um, So before I do, I just wanted to highlight one thing that I did actually think the movie did better, because overall I preferred the book. Okay. But I think one thing the movie did better is they did a better job with Jumpin' and Mabel. And like, because I was really worried that they were going to be very, very stereotypical characters that they are in the books. And I actually think the movie did a okay job with them. Yeah, they were good. Taylor? I, um, I enjoyed the book more. That's not to say that I didn't enjoy the movie. I thought the movie was fine. Probably like how you guys feel from the sense I'm getting from this conversation. The movie's fine. It's very true to the book, but we read the book and the book goes more in depth with things um so overall i thought the book was fine it's one of those books and one of these movies you kind of have to watch uncritically so katie mentioned jumpin and his wife i think her name's mabel Um, and you know um they are treated fairly stereotypically in the book so uh (laughs) This isn't one of those books that you need deep literary criticism. You have to just go in and realize this is like a book you bring to the cottage and read in a weekend. Would you guys agree? Like it's it's good escapism, but don't look too deep into it or ex- Yeah. It's yeah, a pretty easy read. Like it yeah. was a pretty easy read. Crazy. I think. Um, it's a, yeah. It is depressing. I will say that I cried probably like every other chapter for the first half of the book when she's a child. Like, yeah, that stuff was just like yeah, it's you know, rough. The yeah. relentless abuse. So, um, uh, warning to people who are very sensitive to that, to child abuse and to spousal abuse and kind of family dynamics. Uh, the author does not shy away from really depicting a horrible, horrible life for this child. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I did find that quite, and it's it's much worse in the book than in the movie. I I found. Like well, yeah, because I mean, the book's more more chronological, and you see yeah. it kind of all at once from the beginning, whereas the movie kind of cuts back and forth a bit. So, um, overall, I thought they were both like good experiences. I think this is so. I went to see this movie with my mother in law. This is a very good movie to go with your mom or your mother in law or an aunt. Um, and I would say that from the feedback that I'm getting out in the world, that demographic is loving the movie. So not surprising. But take that yep, take that as you will. (laughs) This sort of, you know, middle-aged older woman type genre film. They are loving it. Um, so overall to me, the book was a good experience. I enjoyed reading it. And I thought it was a good movie going experience, but I did like the book better. Yeah, I definitely liked the book better. I felt yeah, I felt the beginning of the book was was a little rough but once kind of getting through that it was a relatively easy read i thought the ending for me with kind of the double twists and stuff like that's kind of what made me look back at the book being like oh it all kind of led somewhere and that was nice it all kind of tidied up um i wouldn't recommend seeing this film by yourself um being being a 35 year old dude um, because you're, that's, I would say it's not quite your demographic that we're describing. Like I don't quite fit into that, uh, mothers-in-law, mothers and daughters and, and aunts. stuff, um, <laughs> and aunts. I don't quite fit into that category. Um, so the movie, I guess, yeah, I guess really the movie, I just came out of it being like, well, I just, I just kind of watched this or read it or see like this story was just told and now I saw it again and I don't really have anything else to say. It was kind of fine. The movie was fine, just very pristine and very much, oh, this is not quite how I pictured the characters in in my head um, when reading the book uh, about what they like looked like and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was it was fine. Overall, fine. 
Um, lots of uh, different kind of opinions coming from fans. We have a few fan questions, but a few um, similar kind of thoughts. Um, so both Josh and Lily, who often these two ask the same questions of us, um, really want to know about casting choices. So I'll read kind of their emails here. Um, so Josh says, um, what did you all think of casting choices um, for the movie compared to how you pictured them while you were reading the book before seeing the movie? And then Lily said, I have a lot of problems and a lot to say about the casting of this uh, movie, but I would really love to hear what all of you thought of the casting of at least the main three characters of Chase, uh, Tate, and uh, I don't think that's the girl's name. What's the girl's name? Kaya. Oh, okay. She's a full name, okay, Catherine. Oh, Catherine. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> so it's a, sorry, Lily. Yes, I think I, I saw Catherine and went. Wait, that's not her name. Yeah, that's um, her yes, full name. Yes. Okay, that's her full name. Sorry, I did not used to seeing it, Catherine. Um, in my opinion, I really just didn't see all three of these characters um, on screen the way I saw them in my head. They were way too Hollywood for me. I especially thought I especially didn't like the casting of Chase, um, who really just didn't work for me in that role. But I'd love to hear what the three of you thought. So both Lily and Josh want to know casting. So Katie or or Taylor, what did you both think of the casting of the, the kind of main characters? Um, I can let Taylor take this one because honestly, when I go to see book adaptations uh, or sorry, movie adaptations of books, I try not to picture casting and I try to kind of just like go in open mind. I liked the cast. I thought they all did a good job. Um, yeah. I, are they exactly how I pictured them? It's tough. The book is incredibly descriptive. Yeah. So the, it makes it very difficult to like cast people perfectly. But um, for me, I didn't have any problems with the cast, although other people are entitled to their own opinions. <laughs> That's a very diplomatic answer. I uh, I thought it was interesting they went with, to me, unknowns. I The three main char characters, I'm not familiar with those actors. And I think it was good to go that way for the very reason Katie is describing is that People fall in love with book characters. It's so hard to do fan casting justice. So I don't think you could have gone with like A-listers for this movie because it would have been it would have been very hard to do the book justice. I thought Kaya was fine. Uh, you know, does she look like how I thought she would look like in the book? No. Um, but everyone's idea of like rugged beauty is different, but I definitely would not describe her as a rugged beauty, <laughs> maybe just beauty. Um, I love Tate, Aaron, Katie, she loved Tate as well. I thought he was great. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Yeah, he was very good. I think he captured that kind of like that innocent, you know, boy next door. Chase, here's the thing. He's supposed to be, uh... A all-star athlete, but a little bit past his prime. He does not look like he can play football. So, so that was my biggest contention, is that I thought the actor who played grown-up Jody, the her brother, to me, I'm like, oh, that looks more like how I pictured Chase. Like all American. Oh, interesting, yeah. All American, like looks like he can toss a pigskin, like looks like he could <laughs> pick up a girl and throw her. I think though, the more I watched Chase on screen, he had the acting for it. Cause at certain angles, he looked really beautiful. And then on other angles, he looked like a creep, which is what Chase was supposed to be, right? So yeah, I will say I that- did a great job with that. Yeah, his acting was very good. So as the movie progressed, I bought it more. But in terms of like fan casting, I would have cast the actor that was Jody. But again, I don't, we didn't see, he wasn't on screen enough for us to know if he was a good actor or not. But so that's, that's my strong feeling. I don't buy that Chase was an all-star, all-star quarterback. That's like a couple years past his prime. Also, if he works at like a mechanic store, he too should have dirty hands. And yeah. Tate, Tate, who's helping his dad shrimp, also should be a little stinky looking. They should yeah. all look like they're stinking. It's it's so hot there. It looks like it's it's like twenty degrees in Ontario, Muskoka. 
in the movie. So anyways, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely didn't look like the deep south at times. Oh. There was definitely moments where I'm like, I don't know what They were not sweaty enough. Yeah, they, they could have done... I mean, but they, they weren't going to do that. Um, Does Lily yeah, say, like, what her feelings are? Or is she just going to... No. She just left it to us? No, just left it to us. <laughs> no, there's no more. Said she had lots to say, but just didn't say them. Um, I mean... I don't know. I like there's skilled positions in football, so he could have played. Like a quarterback's not going to be pretty. Is not going to be big. Yeah, he's like not a, a quarterback's that. not going to be massive. Um, they're going to be. He looked really skinny in the movie. Yeah, skinny. Yeah, quarterbacks are often pretty skinny. Like they, they're like skilled position. I guess they're in fast, football right? They're are faster. Fast. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they got to move quickly. Whereas you might be thinking of the more traditional football positions that are like defense where they're, they have to be built and Beefy. stronger. So, you know, it could it could make sense. I guess my kind of problem, I just couldn't get over, like, I just, like, these people don't match what I was thinking they would look like. Like, I get we kind of Hollywoodized it, but I just, I don't, if you have a description in the book, I think that makes it easier, not harder. Because you, especially if it's Reese Witherspoon, you have access to 7, million, 7 billion people on the planet earth that's your access that's your reach you don't have limitations you might have some budgetary limitations depending upon what you've put together but when it comes to casting and finding talent there sh- it shouldn't be difficult to find you know people to fill anyway they should have gone to like a small town in north carolina and just and like, grabbed all the actors there yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> they could have like, done that there these are that's you know even though like how many small towns like have quote unquote good actors there, there are many people who just have raw talent, right? So, oh, like, for sure. why there's, there's not? There's lots of theaters. Like, there's community yeah, like, theaters in every town. Go find there's some community something. actors in North Carolina. Sure. Like, they're gonna look how the book if you're, describes. If them. you're gonna go with unknowns anyway, right? Then yeah. why wouldn't you? Like, I just don't think. Like, if you have a best-selling novel and you can put together a good movie, I don't think it's gonna matter at the end of the day. What what people look like if you're confident in the story that you're trying to tell the whole time. I just felt like you're just trying to distract me from, from whatever this is by, by being like, Oh, look at these like Hollywoody people. And it just, it just took me out of the story. That was just my problem. I just couldn't dive into the story in the same way I did in the book because they were all too pristine and poshed and polished. And it just didn't, it just didn't jive for me. That was kind of my, my fair enough. Um, time's a ticking, so I got to get some more fans here. Read Um, so yes, read very quickly. Um, this one comes from Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin says, I really enjoyed the book, but my biggest problem with the movie was how much it became a romance movie. I felt like a lot of the mystery was kind of taken out of it. And I would have liked a little bit more of the mystery genre in the film. I felt it was very heavy on the romance, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I felt like it leaned too much into it, where I was sitting here basically watching a romance movie that had a little bit of the Gone Girl mystery style to it. How did you both feel, or how did you all feel about the romance? So that comes from Kate. So yeah, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Yeah, I like, I think we hit on it. And I would tend to agree. I mean, when I when they were initially adapting this, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, maybe they'll make this, re- there's a way to make this really, like, dark and cool. And I thought that it would have a bit of a different aesthetic to it. And the movie does do an interesting thing. Like, it does take a turn when she's abandoned by Tate and she meets Chase. It does get a little bit darker at that point. You know, you lose a bit of the sheen. The emotion is there. There are some, like, really tough scenes. But like all the stuff with Tate and maybe the movie was trying to go for that juxtaposition, but I just don't know if it necessarily worked because I did feel like most of the movie was really cheesy scenes of her and Tate like running on beaches. Yeah. And hugging. Hugging for the first hugging. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, Katie, you (laughs) definitely got like the tone issue down for me. I think they could have done like Southern Gothic and yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping for, especially with like the Taylor Swift song that came out. I was like, ooh, yeah. I like it. Dark and moody. And yeah. I think it would have been cool, again, if they spent more time in the courtroom and even to do, which I'm a little bit sad the book doesn't do this either, but I guess it's just, again, it just is what it is. Nothing can be everything you want it to be. But I would have liked that if at the end of the movie, 
they would have shown her committing the crime. Yes. Okay, I have this written down as a huge point. Because, because we still don't know how she did it. Yeah. And so I didn't mind that it wasn't in the book because you are kind of left to imagine it. And it's kind of woven yes, throughout it's very, the story. Yes, it's very vivid in the courtroom. It is very vivid. And you can imagine it. But the thing is that movies can do things that books can't. And yeah. sometimes they should do those things. And I was convinced that as soon as Tate found the necklace, we were going to get a flashback. Yep. At least of like him thinking through how she had accomplished it and like seeing it happen. And we didn't get it. And I just felt like that was a huge missed opportunity. And that would have been a great thing to include in the movie. Yeah. Like that would have been a really cool scene. Maybe it's on the cutting room floor and we'll yeah. get it in some kind yeah. of director's cut or something. But I was just, I was shocked. I thought that was a huge missed opportunity not to be able to use the power of cinema to show her actually committing the crime and like with the different buses and having to get back and forth in time and like getting him up the water tower. He disguises. Covering her tracks and just, yeah. Uh, And how she lured him there. Cause they never say like, how did she get him there in the first place? So a point about the romance again, I, I think it's interesting seeing how I saw the movie with someone who hasn't read the book. So my mother-in-law described this as her new notebook. So she might like this movie even more than The Notebook. So again, it's she clearly enjoyed the romance aspect of it. You know what I mean? So I think it's they definitely, I get the sense that people who haven't read the book are able to enjoy this just as a romance with like drama. Whereas people who read the book got to experience the actual mystery of it. Mystery of it, yeah. And that's what we feel is lacking from the movie but anyways it maybe maybe people people love the romance even if they did read the book like it didn't offend me in any way but I thought that they definitely could have gone there's more interesting aspects of the book I guess I that I think they missed yeah it's funny the friend I was with also mentioned that like it reminded her of the notebook especially just the ending scenes of like showing them growing old together which thankfully they got new actors because they did the aging for a little bit and it was really rough it was. <laughs> I hate, one of my pet peeves in movies. I hate when they just try and synthetically age actors. <laughs> I know we're running out of time, Mike, and we have other things to read. But speaking of CGI or like uh, editing, like aging editing, I thought when they opened the movie with that CGI heron, I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I getting myself into? This is going to be horrible. Thankfully, they only use the CGI minimally in a very visible way but i thought they were gonna cgi the whole marsh but like luckily they didn't which was our problem with death on the nile where they cgi there was a lot of problems with death on a nile (laughs) (laughs) all right mike what's the next uh yes i'm gonna do this one next because it's kind of important so let's uh this is from akil so uh akil says uh in the book there was a lot more details on the various acts of racism that Jumpin had to face. Now, you can't keep everything in a movie because you've chosen to take a pretty big book that's probably in and around 10 hours on its own and turn it into a movie that's under two. But for all the things that you could have cut, I personally felt that they shouldn't have passed over this point. There was more examples of the racism that Jumpin had to face uh, throughout the book. Um, And I thought even for a storytelling reason, it would have been better to continue to connect um, her journey with Mabel and Jumpin. I thought that that was a really important point that came across in the book very well, that they just clearly didn't have enough time for in the movie. Noting the historic significance of some of these things, and of course, what goes on now, I feel like they could have leaned into this a little bit. Overall, I really did enjoy the book, and I thought the movie was an interesting adaptation. I personally thought that the uh, the sort of themes that connected Predator and Prey were very interesting, and the themes of everybody trying to find their place in the world was also really well done. So that comes from Akil. Um, so, so yeah, some interesting points there of, of cutting down um, some of the things. Like, I think there were just more examples of Jumpin' and Mabel kind of dealing with being shop owners in this small town. Like, I think that there were more examples that came across in the book. Um, I don't, again, I don't remember specifically uh, things that were were taken out or that were different, but I definitely remember that in the book being a pretty big theme. 
Well, the the Negroes have to live in a like what do they call it like Negro town in the book. Like it's more ex- it's more obvious that we're live we're experiencing a time period that is se- segregated. So like in the book, it's it's a segregated society. Whereas I don't you don't get that in the movie. So like even when they get to the courthouse in the book, people yeah, and they're no, allowed to just sit there. Yeah, yeah, and they're when they're someone wanted them to sit in the the negro only section and then and then they were able to whatever so i i i i agree with akil it's one of those things where i think it does get chopped you know what i mean like you can't portray everything i think again in the book it does a much better job of fleshing out that relationship right like how like um how that becomes her father and mother and like that really um, tug, tugged at my heartstrings in the book, whereas in the movie it was it almost seemed more like a plot device, less of a relationship. But what are you gonna do, right? What are your feelings? It's hard. Oh, sorry, Mike. No, no, go ahead, Kitty. Um, no, I, I agree. Like they definitely had to leave things out, and again, this is kind of like another thing that was Disneyfied or sanitized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had mentioned before that, like, I liked the portrayals of Jumpin' and Mabel, and I do think the actors in, did a good job of that, because in the book, they are, like, stereotypical Black characters, and it's almost kind of like they're, like, the Negro sidekick in the book, Yeah, yeah. I felt like. Um, but you're right, in the movie, they are more of a plot device. Like, there is a lot of action that happens at the shop or on their dock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it seems like they're just kind of shoehorned in. Where the relationship between them and Kaya, because they're all outsiders in this town, um, isn't explored as thoroughly. Yeah, which I think that it seems like that's from what Akil's saying here. That was the relationship that was interesting to him, was that relationship between the three of them. And all three of them feeling like outsiders, um, which is an interesting way to look at that. Like she's someone who feels ostracized or feels kind of pushed out. She lives somewhere that's a little unconventional. And she kind of finds she kind of finds kindred spirits in a way um, during a time that like it was you know, it, I mean, I'd say during a time that was really hard. It still is now. Um, and Akil kind of points that out in the email as well. That like even things going on now, like it's all pretty much still the same. Um, it's just I mean, I think his point's valid. It's a shame that you try to cut things down and some of these things can't make it in there when clearly it's something that resonates and is important. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, that's a fair criticism. Um, I mean, Akil saying himself that he understands can't keep everything in. Like you only have so much time, um, because they made the choice to make this a movie, not like a series or something where you have even more detail, uh, and time to go through. This would have made um, a good mini series. Yeah. Yeah. I think they could have I mean, stretched it out. They could have done more. Like they could, there was more detail. They could have gone in there and, and done like a, a mini series for maybe not like five or six episodes, but maybe like three or something to kind of give a little bit more. Yeah, I can see that. Mike, I appreciate we have more fan questions, but this question is actually a good segue for Katie's headline. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, let's let's get let's do that. If this is a good segue into the headline, let's get the headline. So the headline that is kind of rocking the news recently, which wasn't a big deal when this book came out, it's only because of the movie that this seems to have resurfaced, which is really interesting, is uh, so the headline is The Dark History Behind the Year's Best-Selling Debut Novel. Um, and basically it's about how Delia Owens, who is the author of this book, and her ex-husband Mark Owens are not allowed to return to Zambia, where they once lived and worked doing conservation work, because they are wanted for questioning in a murder that took place decades ago. What? So leading a lot of people to kind of draw some parallels and say, hmm, is where the crawdad sing based on a semi-true story. Especially when Akil in Akil's question brought up the hunter versus prey, the prey versus predator. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, Katie has got to read the headline now. So, so I read this article. Is it, I think it was in Variety, right, Katie? Like I read it's on the- it's slate is the one that I sent you. Oh, okay, okay. But there, I'm sure every outlet has some variation of this article. Right. And uh, apparently, the hu- they like were involved in conservation, and the husband like 
really became so passionate about conservation that he was willing to kill poachers, like shoot at poachers to kill. And apparently a poacher came onto the land and he was shot and it may or may not be by her ex-husband. He may or may not have done it. So I can definitely see chase elements. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, the- this is wild. I can't, I can't even believe this is real life right now. This and is- they've also been accused of saying like some pretty like racially insensitive things like on top. Yeah. On really? Top of that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it just really a just... bundle of trouble. <laughs> these two, just a just a bundle of joy. These two, just troublemakers. Wow, that's that's wild. That's so. Wow. What do you think, Katie? Do you think that uh, this is art imitating real life? Now that you've read that backstory, do you feel <laughs> that she? Um, I like for a while. I I kind of thought that this was all a big nothing burger. I was like, oh, like okay, her ex husband maybe killed a poacher years ago. Like I don't know. But bringing up the whole predator versus prey thing and the fact that like the killing of Chase is justified, it there's no mistake in my mind that if this actually happened, Delia Owens believes that the killing of the poacher is a hundred percent justified. Yeah. Because... Like, yeah. So it is actually interesting. Like. Maybe there is some weird parallel. I do. And like, they never recovered the body. <laughs> they never recovered the body. There's so rumors true. that he, like the husband picked the body up in a helicopter and like dropped and, it like, in, dropped in a lake. Yeah. yeah. Or a lake. Yeah. So that in itself would make an amazing documentary. <laughs> I oh, would watch, definitely. I would watch that movie. So that's, I, I can't even believe that is so wild. I can't believe that that's, that's a thing. That's cool. It makes you kind of think, like, I'm now thinking about the book and I'm like, wow, like, is this a confession? Are we getting some sort of, like, you know? There was also something that happened a couple months ago, and I forget which book it was, but there was an author who wrote a murder mystery who was then arrested for murdering someone. Really? And, like, they kind of caught her based off of her book. So. Careful careful what you write down, folks. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, don't commit crimes and then write best-selling novels based on based, <laughs> yeah, based on the crime you committed. Yeah, it'll be too familiar. Someone will be like, "Hmm, that's this is weird. too accurate." Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wow. Thanks there you sh- go. Thanks um, for sharing that, Katie. It just adds like, yeah. a whole other level, right? Like, yeah. that's what wild. A, <laughs> what a great way to end off this episode is with that bombshell everyone uh, should go and read those articles and can do their own research yeah that's, uh, yeah um, anyway um yes uh we're we're pretty much at the end here um i just want to thank everybody for for writing in and, and giving your thoughts and, and i appreciate uh people kind of going with us and uh, lots of different kind of opinions on it uh, overall it sounds like from our team here we're kind of in middle ground meh about everything. So that's that's always an interesting I, way. I think the, this was a pretty good episode for us being kind of middle ground. Go ahead. I Katie. think that we all liked it better than Death in the Nile. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. That's, yeah. that's a positive. That's a win. Death, Death in the Nile was just, the movie was so weird. There's too many weird, weird things. Creepy, yeah. weird, weird stuff. Um, but th- thank you so much, Katie, for, for coming here and doing yeah, this. What's you your, it. before we leave, Katie, what's your rating of the book and the movie? Is it a read it and a see it? Uh, my book is a, is a read it for sure. Um, as you said, like take it to the cottage on a weekend, finish it there. If you're going on vacation, just bring it with you. You'll finish it. The book, I'm sorry, the movie, I, I put it as see it. Do I think you need to see it at a movie theater or a specific specifically a VIP movie theater. No, I think you could probably wait for this to come out on streaming and like watch it with your book club. Um, I think that that could be a lot of fun, but I'd say see it. Yeah, that's kind of my opinion. I echo Katie's sentiments 100%. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little more in the stream it category if you're really interested, but yeah, I, I think it's a little bit better than an airplane movie. So there you go. I think this um, would but- make a very good airplane movie though. Like, really? See, well, I think I think we, it's a little bit Mike too much. And I, Mike and I kind of have a different definition of airplane movies. Um, yes. To me, this is in the same category of Room, which I watched on an airplane. It's like absorbing enough that you can kill two hours on the airplane. But like... Wait, wait Room or The Room? 
Wait, room. Uh, you mean Brie Larson room? Yeah, the Brie Larson room. I watched that on, on an airplane. airplane? That what? Is for an airplane. That's a heavy movie for an airplane. To me, Taylor. room is an airplane movie. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't know. Let's just end it there. That's good. Um, before we go, I just wanted to quickly share one really good adaptation I'm enjoying, um, which is the, the TV series uh, Crave HBO Max is adapting uh, My Brilliant Friend, which is it's actually out of Italy. It's in Italian. You have to watch it with subtitles. And it's one of the best adaptations I've seen. It's a series. If you've read those books, I'd recommend it. If you haven't read the books, I still recommend it. And uh, you're really crappy, or you're really bad uh, adaptation, Katie. You were very bad adaptation is um, Persuasion, which should probably shock no one. I read the book, tried to watch it, turned it off, but we'll probably go back and finish it. I just we're gonna I, we're gonna slog yeah. through it next week, listeners. We're gonna Katie's teasing <laughs> our theme for next week, which is big hyped Netflix movies that are probably not very good. So look forward to that next week and in the meantime go see some movies thank you for listening to the screening in kingston podcast recorded at cfrc at queen's university in kingston ontario queen's university sits on the traditional lands of the hananoshabi and anashabi peoples we would like to thank the faculty of engineering and applied sciences and the cfrc podcast network